Welcome to episode 11 of the Wholesome Business Podcast. We did a podcast earlier in the year about eco-travel um, when Vanita and I went via electric car from the UK to Germany. Um, and it's something that I've been particularly interested in for a long time and I, and I try to think about whenever I'm traveling. But I've never really gone down the route of eco-tourism where it's more about um, visiting conservation areas. And I, I've never quite understood how, how those sorts of eco-tours work. Um, but I recently got contacted by Joe Stevens and Max Sinclair from ecocompanion.com, which is a website all about um, how to find a really good eco-lodge or eco-tour for your holiday. Um, and they wanted to come on the podcast and, and talk about what they're doing. So Ed and I invited them in. Um, we met them in our, our newly refurbished broom cupboard. And um, it was fascinating. It was really, really interesting um, to find out about how how ecotourism can actually be a force for good um, and how to resolve that, that inherent conflict between sort of the impacts of travel, uh, the negative impacts of travel versus the positive impacts of, of travel and how you can, how you can find that balance. Um, and, and the sort of the, the, the triple bottom line of social, environmental and economic benefits that can come from ecotourism. So it was really great. Ed and I sort of left left the room feeling really inspired and um, sort of excited about the opportunities that that it brings. Um, and so we hope you enjoy it. We hope you enjoy this podcast with EcoCompanion.com. If you do like the show, please do rate it um, on iTunes and say hello to us. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Eat Whole Grain. Um, and you can also find the Eco Companion team on social media. Um, just look for ecocompanion.com. Do you want to kick off by just sort of telling us about ecocompanion.com? Yeah, 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 yeah. So Max is probably better qualified. Uh, I've been working there a few months now, um, but obviously Max is, is the founder. So yeah, I can explain. So be able to give you a much broader overview. So, so it started. I think it was uh, just coming up to actually October fourteenth is our two year birthday. So it's a very big day for us, and uh, yeah, it's progressed massively since then. I think uh, when we first started, we looked at it as being some kind of a. Basically, uh, the guy that I originally started it with runs a company called The Great Projects, which is uh, an award-winning conservation projects company. And we kind of combined his skill sets with my skill sets and kind of uh, travel media uh, in particular and we kind of realized that we like the idea of this kind of aggregators because they, they just have such the power they can wield if you can nail it basically yeah. and, and using that towards what we were looking at it was some form of listing site for sustainable experiences was kind of the, the very initial idea uh, yeah. where you would literally just have like say little text lines for each person or whatever it might be and then as ever of course things change just dramatically as time goes on. Um, ultimately, like I, it's funny actually, I watched a video of me doing a pitch at um, uh, Google Google Campus about a year and a half ago, and it's embarrassing now listening to me trying to describe the idea because it's just such gibberish. It's just me <laughs> confused and lost just trying to explain myself. But yeah, now we've got, I'm very happy we've got it smaller and smaller, and I think when you can describe an idea in less and less words, that generally means it's a good one. Yeah. Um, so we went back to Eco Companion helps you find your next sustainable holiday in nature. 
which is the relatively short version. And then Joe came up with the smallest version, which is sustainable experiences in nature. Sums it up uh, yeah. quite well. So it's eco lodges, eco tours, and eco projects is the kind of three different sections. So the projects is quite, of course, obviously uh, conservation projects from all around the world. So we don't uh, limit it to the UK or anything. Uh, then eco tours is much more classically. Generally, it's when it's different, more than one location is when it yeah, is classed right. as a tour. And then the eco lodges, which are actually in a lot of ways the most famous side of eco tourism, because uh, eco lodges is it allows. It's basically hotels that have really put the effort in directly to focus themselves around the principles of eco tourism. Um, so yeah, so that's the three different sections of the site. Uh, and ultimately, it's, yeah, it's a search engine to allow you to, to find this world of ecotourism from anywhere around the world. Um, and yeah, put it at your fingertips and hopefully over as, as time goes on, make it a simpler and simpler process. Of course, right now, I'd say we're still in, I have the opinion of, we're kind of in MVP mode, you know, yeah. minimum viable product. So there's so much to do. And I think that's the same with the world rating system and all of these other aspects of our business. Um but yeah, it's, it's a strong start. And yeah, I mean, the world rating, shall I explain that a bit? Yeah, that's yeah, probably definitely. One of the <laughs> yeah. I think the, the idea with the world rating is to, is to allow uh, consumers and people to make, be able to make sustainable choices. Because I think a lot of the time consumers want to do that or, or just don't have the available information yeah. to, to make the, the choice that they, yeah, yeah. Exactly, that, they, um, that they want to make. So it's, 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 giving, yeah, it's giving consumers the ability to say, right, okay, I... I want to positively impact uh, the local community, the environment on my holiday. Yeah. And this gives them the power to choose yeah. know, whether they're going to have a, a sustainable experience or not, which I think is yeah. more and more consumers anyway are erring towards that generally yeah. in travel, I think. Yeah. So it's, it's very simple, actually, in terms of the process is that in that, and it does, we aren't the first to do something like this in its own way. So there's... Uh, the the green leaders program uh, which is a, a, all of these have different nuances so you'll hear like responsible tourism sustainable tourism eco tourism green tourism and they've all got their nuances of different like what they each mean kind of yeah. thing but uh, and like I'm sure you know seeing as you're living eco tourism but um, the the world rating system focuses on eco tourism so this is the principles that we stand by which is that the main difference of it is that it looks at all three pillars of sustainability which are cultural, environmental, and, and economic. Yep. So it looks to try and have a holistic view on sustainability rather than, say, just looking at the green side of things where yeah. you're saying we recycle, we, we minimize our impact to the environment. But actually, it's been found that you have to consider the local economy of the local people who actually uh, surround the experiences uh, and the culture of those places as well because it, they can so easily be destroyed, like... Uh, we like laugh about places like Magaluf and stuff like that, which did used to be beautiful places yeah, before exactly, yeah. they were destroyed. And so our world rating system, essentially it collects together. We have these application forms where it collects a huge amount of data uh, from each experience that goes onto the site. And then it ultimately gives uh, a rating um, on each of those different three pillars. And this uh, culminates into a ranking from bronze all the way up to elite green. Um, they can also get nothing, of course. Um, and uh, elite green is of course the goal it's the number one highest rank and it goes bronze, silver, uh, gold and then green and the real, the beauty behind it I think is that it then ranks and sorts search results by this so rather than review rather than price or anything else 
sustainability is always number one. So anything you search, it will always be uh, sustainability first. And the, the, the deeper, like more exciting thing about that, I think, is that it then leads to dr- um, creating a driving force for change in the entire nature tourism industry. And, and when you consider that the nature tourism industry is worth 179 billion globally and is actually 20% of the total tourism market. So wow. it's actually a lot bigger than people think. People think of ecotourism and nature tourism books start to become uh, synonymous with each other because you aim for sustainability within all nature tourism. Yeah. But yeah, and the fact that we can hopefully, the bigger we get right now, I mean, we're small fry, but the larger we get, the, the more of a driving force we can be to encourage that industry uh, towards a more sustainable uh, approach. Yeah, um, definitely. Yeah, so that's the big dream of uh, the world yeah, rating yeah. system. Yeah. So what's the actual business model behind Eco Companion then? So, yeah, so, are so, you a travel agent or are you a listing site? Or so we started really as a listing site. So people would just pay up front just to be on the site, very simply. Um, and then ultimately, though, we've realized that we want it to be a win-win for both sides in terms of a, a, um, a, a results-driven system. And so we've recently, uh, even on tomorrow, today or tomorrow it could happen, we're, we're launching our own booking engine, actually. So this is a very big shift for us, yeah. yeah. Where rather than, I don't know how much you guys have clicked around, but until now it's the, you just kind of click to send an inquiry, basically. Yeah. So very straightforward, and then that gets, sends you off to the Eco Lodge in the Amazon jungle or wherever it might be. Um, whereas now the process will stay within Eco Companion because ultimately that it will still be with the operator because that again is an, an important part of ecotourism is that you, we don't take away the relationship and the communication from you with this operator. Yeah. Like uh, say for example, uh, trail finders or these kind of people, they, 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 the, the value they deliver is by actually taking you that away because they want to be able to uh, handle it as best possible through their very skilled kind of agents and things. Yeah. But the way we see it is actually that you get a lot more value from speaking to the person who owns that lodge in the Amazon jungle or wherever it might be. Um, um, so yeah, so ultimately it's going to be a commission-based model. So yeah. we make uh, small revenue for ourselves uh, for each booking that goes through the site. Um, and then, uh, yeah. Yeah, so it's quite straightforward to be honest. Yeah, it's a, a booking engine. I think the, the the nuance of it that we're quite excited about is that nature tourism is such a complicated product as well. And so uh, how, like our web developer James, he's or CTO is a better title. Um, he's he's put a lot of effort into making a system that works with nature tourism because it's not actually really been done before. Um, make, yeah, so you can't of, just take like an off-the-shelf booking system and. Yeah, push, push it in. exactly. Yeah, 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 like booking.com, it wouldn't work because <laughs> you don't just go on a project which is auto seven days. You you can do any form of like, lengths and durations and you can do any form of activities within it and different yeah. focuses and all of these things. So yeah, it's just such a complicated product uh, compared to anything as it should be. <laughs> yeah, 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 right. yeah, yeah. So how do you go about actually getting these um, sort of destinations to... To sign up, so I guess some of them are in the UK is probably a little bit easier, but yeah. the ones that are in more sort of exotic locations and maybe more remote, mm-hmm. um, how how do they go about sort of getting themselves onto, yeah. onto the site? So, so it's mainly me, basically. Like that's my background is uh, is is the kind of sales background. So I, I used to be at a company called Travel Zoo, and previously before that, I was at. Uh, shame, slightly ashamed to say, uh, Woucher, uh, <laughs> Wow a day, Woucher pretty good dog. <laughs> I didn't say that logo. Um, and uh, so yeah, my background is in sales, and yeah. 
what we do in terms of actually, um, we of course try to put in as many measures as we can to make sure that even, the, the nice thing with our website is that because of the world rating system, uh, uh, even an experience which is only okay and it's taking its first steps in sustainability can still be on the site because the idea is it's a journey basically, that yeah. they're, they're, they're progressing through uh, a further and further um, uh, efforts towards becoming a sustainable business. Um, so it's not actually the end of the world if an experience which is only just getting to those first steps does come onto the site because the world rating system does rank that for us. So you still see the truly yeah. uh, further down the line sustainable experiences first. Um, but of course, we, we don't we want to have as many measures as we can because we don't want to go throwing anything and everything onto the site. So yeah. firstly, there's so many other international bodies which do so much work for us, like the, the legwork basically of... Um, I don't know if you've heard of global, the Global Sustainable Tourism Council. It's a very dramatic title. Um, <laughs> and it's, it's basically this central body which has been built to kind of try and centralise all of these different certification systems because that was part of the problem is that there's like a hundred different versions. And so what is sustainability? And it becomes too elaborate and complex and things. So actually this, this central body tries to uh, combine these different systems and confirm that they are... Uh, singing the same song basically Um, and so we're working with them and they've given us even access to their amazing network of experiences that have already been literally directly certified so they've had somebody go and experience them and and, and analyse them and check them and everything so yeah yeah. basically taking advantage of others work (laughs) 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 is the uh, sneaky answer for a startup. Yeah, no point reinventing the wheel. Yeah. Exactly, yeah, yeah. I saw from your blog that you guys have been sort of going and trying out some of the places yourselves. Yeah, yeah, we managed to go over to Forest Holidays, um, which is a UK-based um, uh, sustainable experience. Um, and it was it was a cracking, yeah, it was a cracking little um, little trip. Yeah. Um, so the whole team went, apart from James, actually. Yeah, James. Uh, the yeah, whole yeah. team went and we did a little promotional video for, uh, for Eco Companion. Yeah, uh, but it's great to go out and experience these places. Um, I mean, I think this, uh, the Forest Holidays had a little bug hotel where they had yeah. uh, decompos- uh, decomposing um, bits of tree and bark and stuff like that. Um, and just, you know, canoeing along the river and mountain yeah. biking. It was just encouraging you to be as outdoors as possible and also as conscious about um, you know sustainable issues um, as possible mm. without massively having to put the effort in like the soap was all sustainable and yeah eco soap yeah eco <laughs> yeah right <laughs> and it's important to get the, those little things right so it was great to be able to go out and see um, it being practiced how it had been I think you know, yeah been sold to us and how we were yeah. telling consumers it was exactly me I think me and Taz Taz is our editor by the way she uh, writes the content for our site so okay. the experiences that are published and like why we love it, each experience is what is her words um, uh, we joked we were joking with her about how it's so reassuring when you get to go out to see these experiences in person. And for example, uh, Forest Holidays got a very high certification ranking. And sometimes you do just go like, okay, is there something wrong here? I'm, I'm, I'm unsure. But then you go out there and you see it all in practice and you're like, oh, thank God. Like, this is, <laughs> truly is a, a great example of ecotourism within the UK. So yeah, yeah, Forest Holidays is a great one, isn't it? They're very popular. I mean, on the other hand, have you come across any some greenwashing or, or anything mm-hmm. like that? I, I mean, one, one example mentioning no names, I... Um, experienced uh, uh, it was it was a hot tub, very hot uh, place, and there was a lot of solar thermal, which ostensibly oh, yeah. was 
heating the hot tub. Mm. And so we all thought that, you know, this is fantastic. You get to enjoy a, yeah. a hot tub and uh, it's all heated by the sun. Yeah. But I later discovered <laughs> on closer inspection is that there was gas canisters hidden underneath. Oh, really? That's quite a good one. That's a sneaky, that's a, like a particular level of greenwashing where they actually designed the solar panels too. Now, at some point, you shouldn't give that hint away because maybe people will start to just put black slates up or something. Yeah. Just, just in the pretense that it's solar panels. <laughs> no, I think we've, I think uh, one of the ones, to be fair, which we, we're always anxious of and we're like, I think the, the whole team is very much aware of is the uh, plight of the Asian elephant in general. Yeah. So generally, uh, the horrendous process of crushing that they go through. I don't know if you guys know or have heard about it. Yeah. So it's, um, there's a video actually we just posted about it. Isn't we it? have, yeah, on, yeah. Our, on our Facebook page. If yeah. you want to go and check it out. Yeah, it's, and uh, yeah. it's, basically it's this process that every elephant in Asia, if they're being ridden or in any way trained, they will have gone through this process, which is they're, uh, as the tiny infants, they're put in this kind of wooden uh, box cage where they literally can't move and are trapped in this box cage for uh, day after day after day and are literally just tormented until, this is why it's called crushing, uh, their salt, their like spirits are crushed. Yeah. So it's kind of like with a horse but to an extreme because an elephant is such a large and more wild animal where they will literally crush their spirit to the point where uh, they will do anything that the master says. So um, this is, uh, yeah... Um, I, I don't know if I should say to watch the video because it's not nuts, but it, it wakes you up basically to, the, to, to what's happening. And I think uh, that's something we've become very wary of and you do still see it with certain companies will, uh, for whatever reason, they'll, they'll not know about this basically. And because it's quite a long supply chain as well, I think it gets quite tough sometimes even for any business yeah. to truly monitor the whole way. Um, but yeah, whenever you see that, you just... Once you learn how it happens, you're very you're very adamant to try and pull that off the site as soon as you can. Like, uh, yeah, and I think it's uh, it's a really good example of uh, people just don't know that this happens. Yeah, when they're going, no matter how well the the, the elephants are, mm. are treated when they're there, you know, given a lot of space and yeah. they're you know invariably chained, which is a bit of a giveaway. But yeah. but still, no matter how well they're treated, it's 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 making people aware of this process and businesses aware of this process because. Once people are aware, then people start to you know choose not to go on these experiences. Yeah, yeah. But it's 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 very difficult. You know, you can't hold it against anyone. Mm. You know, going on an elephant ride because it's, it's it dressed up to make experience. it look like a, a really nice thing. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I I did the same thing. I went on an elephant ride in Thailand, and I, I thought it was an amazing experience. Yeah, yeah. And, and I was so happy. And then we were just walking away after it, and I looked round and I saw the guy hit the elephant on the head with this metal bar, and yeah. it started bleeding. Yeah. And suddenly, like something clicked in my brain, and I thought, "Hang on, yeah, a yeah. this, these this elephants aren't doing got, this basically. for fun." You know? yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. It's just this particular hook, and that's what they use in the training. So these elephants particularly know this hook is like, yeah, the the, the call basically to to listen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's not a it's not a nice thing. I, I like I'll, I'll entirely openly say I was the same as you. Um, I think when I was seventeen or eighteen, I went out to South Africa and I rode an African elephant out there. Yeah. And I'm, I'm while I don't actually know the detail of of the African elephants and how they've gone through the same process because this this elephant it's interesting with in Africa. There's obviously this whole other debate around culling, where they actually literally have to cull huge numbers of elephants because of overpopulation, and how that can have this just as much damaging effect on the environment or the local area. Um, 
but yeah, I, I did the same. I, I, I thought it was amazing and everything. You get yeah. to ride an elephant and all of this. And I think that's the thing. If you don't, if you don't know, then you don't know. And until you do, yeah. <laughs> you'll act the same way. And it's hard to recognize that same kind of, you don't notice the signals because of course they're going to be very good, aren't they? At, uh, yeah. <laughs> hiding them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's a tourist attraction. So it's dressed up to yeah. make it look, yeah, look like a great, happy experience. Exactly. Yeah. 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 It sort of brings me on to a um, sort of related topic, thinking about elephants. I'm reading a book at the moment by uh, George Monbiot, um, mm, yeah. or Feral. I don't yeah, know if you've read, read it, yeah, have you? Read yeah, and he, he, one of the things he's talking about is the fact that a lot of these animals, like elephants, used to be used to be here, sort of in, in northern and western Europe, mm. um, and how the whole sort of ecosystem has changed, largely due to sort of human, yeah. human intervention. Um, and so he's talking a lot about rewilding and bringing about wolves and bears and things like mm. that. And I noticed on your website there's a couple of references. What in Sweden there's a project, yeah, um, to do with wolves. Yeah, no, exactly. There's, I mean, rewilding is such an interesting topic, isn't it? I find it so exciting that, and I, um, it's such an interesting one because uh, there's so much that we're trying to do to, uh, like, in our kind of mission towards sustainability, which is where you're trying to minimize the impact but it's, tr- it's so true isn't it that really there's been generations like hundreds and hundreds or um thousands of years where we've already been delivering an impact so actually yeah, you yeah. could argue that rewilding has to occur to to try and actually create what what is the natural balance um but yeah yeah no there's a there's a good few around and um, in the uk there's there's quite a few around in wales and scotland in particular yeah um yeah i think you might have seen was it sweden did you say sweden yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, wild sweden i think that is yes. um yeah yeah it's a great company marcus um uh yeah and i think i think the thing with uh from reading the book uh is that you can get um you can almost uh, trick yourself into thinking there's this huge dichotomy where there's humans and then the natural world when actually yeah. what's been happening is obviously we're part of the natural world so yeah. i think people divide it in their minds okay so this is this is natural this is wild and this is human this is completely different yeah when actually what, we, what you've got to encourage is more of a of a um, cohabitation kind of thing and i think like you said the wild sweden um and rewilding projects and ecotourism as a whole allows people to really reconnect with nature and see their place in it when they're not damaging it, but also uh, humans are benefiting from it, so that yeah, you know, I think it's a really who, important educational exactly role. Mm. with someone that might lose, uh, let's say for example, I'm being very stereotypical, some reindeer at a reindeer farm in Sweden to a wolf. Yeah, it's, before ecotourism, it's very hard to 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 demonstrate the value of that wolf. But if you have something, an offering to the local people, then wolves start to get seen in a completely different light and it's, it's that yeah. treatment of them that I think starts to change people's perceptions and change, change how people you know, think about the natural world mm. it's, it's, yeah. Yeah, it's a fascinating book it's, it's the same with uh, vampire bats in Mexico isn't it oh is that right yeah, they're, um, they're really really in, invaluable for parts of their um, uh, agricultural cycles and so on uh, but people don't realise that they've just got this kind of association of them being yeah pretty, pretty yeah. evil so, uh, I, yeah, that's destroy their destroy their nesting and their yeah. yeah. caves and yeah. so it's interesting with something like bats as well because that's not an immediate you know, what comes to mind first when you think of you know, nature tourism or beautiful nature is, is pandas and elephants and lions yeah. but I mean um, when I was in South Africa they were um, teaching us about the vultures and the role that they play 
you know, they're seen as really, really dirty animals. But actually, the whole ecosystem revolves around the recyclers. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> if you have a poisoned carcass, you might kill 150 vultures that have flown 200, 300 miles to feed on that carcass. Yeah. Yeah. As soon as you stop having that, it's it's they're not the animals that are photographed. They're not the animals that are. But as as soon as you stop their habitat, then you you lose all the rest. And I think mm. it's you know, we're only starting to understand how complex these these ecosystems are. And yeah. How well they need protecting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And obviously it can take decades before people join the dots and realise that oh this problem that we're now facing is because we did something yeah. Yeah. back then wiped out a certain exactly. species yeah. or something. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think think to to an extent you've uh, already answered this, but I, I wanted to ask how 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 are you uh, sort of moving beyond the, the, the converted as it were? And that's both both with the um, both both the, people, your customers who are going for these experiences mm-hmm. and also the people offering them. Is there, is there any way of, because um, there's always going to be that sort of green niche um, yeah. of people, but then beyond that, um, is, is there any way of reaching uh, normal, normal yeah, lodges yeah. And, and, and helping communicate to them the value of greening or so on and yeah. similarly of, of yeah. Yeah, reaching the non-green people who might not be yeah. googling for the same green no, keywords that you you guys are probably definitely I, I think that that's a, that's that's how we that's how we will win in the mission of change that we're aiming for to to, to create uh, to, to trans transform the nature tourism industry towards a, a sustainable approach that's how we'll have, be able to do that is by taking the average person as well who's not even considered nature tourism and actually now thinks I'm now going to choose rather than going to choose this next city break to go away to Barcelona I actually love the idea of going to see brown bears in, in Eastern Europe for yeah. example that's that's how we win the battle <laughs> and, and actually I think the way we do that is through content so content is huge to us so um, video content is, is one of the best vessels for the uh, uh, creating inspiration and excitement and enthusing people who have never even considered it yeah. uh, to think about doing it themselves. And I, and I think I quite, I quite like the idea and I'm interested in, we're, we're working with a lot of people quite big in different social media networks um, who, are, who themselves aren't necessarily obvious users or, like, or nature tourism people. But actually, they've just gone out and experienced this for themselves, sometimes for the first time, and just fallen in love with this amazing, visceral experience. Um, It's so directly connected to nature, um, which you get only through ecotourism. Um, And so I think that telling that story is how we'll be able to do that. Um, So on Facebook, Facebook's one of our our favorite channels, um, and YouTube, and telling our story through these networks allows you to reach out to new audiences in that way. But yeah, no, I, I agree. I think it's a, that's definitely the big question mark on how we managed to achieve that. Um, yeah. And sorry, actually, the only other thing to mention, on the business side of things, I think actually that's where the mass comes in. So that's where we have not only uh, this kind of small group of people, but once we have this larger and larger um, movement, <laughs> almost daring to say the cliche that is the word movement but <laughs> um, whenever we once we have this kind of critical mass almost that's when actually the average lodge owner who maybe there's there's a, there's a hunting lodge who's only ever that's all of their business but actually they suddenly just start thinking 
the other three lodges in my entire reserve have just switched across to ecotourism as their focus because they just know that they're going to get so many more people through the door and can charge more and all of these different things because basically that's the hot thing now because that's what the user demands. So as soon as it's very obvious that consumer demand is for ecotourism and is for experiencing nature in this more subtle and less impactful way, that's how you get the hunting lodges to say, actually, maybe maybe we should pause to think. Um, and that's the, yeah, that's how you drive the change in the non classic eco lodges yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. the hunting lodges have got a long way to go but... exactly yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ironically though i did actually see there was i think it was louis theroud i don't know if you saw it where there was one guy in particular who owned hunting lodges his entire life but in his old age he, he'd actually taken part of the lodge and said no these animals aren't for hunting because like, he's actually just fallen in love with the wildlife so much that even this guy who'd owned one his entire life had, had basically seen the light in his old age yeah, you know? right. but he did still run it so I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> he's so not he, done it yet the light was on but yeah. no one was home <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> do, you, do you think it would sell to sort of go out with uh, water pistols instead of guns yeah, yeah. yeah. well we did a good so thing he did manage to sneak up on the apple uh, on, the animal, yeah. on the animal and surprise I got it wet <laughs> <laughs> so I've demonstrated my skill in hunting. Yeah. Sort of laser quest safari. Yeah. <laughs> we did. But I mean, it's not. It's not a million miles away from from a lot of the photography safaris. Yeah, know, exactly. Have, like, yeah, right. Thousands and thousands on getting the best equipment and the great mm. scope for the gun. When yeah, what you get right now, now is a camera. different a different kind of shooting. I yeah. guess. Yeah, so, yeah. You know, it's it's, it's marketed as uh, a photography and you know. Um, uh, a, a fantastic wildlife shot is a better trophy now than, yeah. than back then oh. uh, uh, a lion's head on your, on your mantelpiece. Yeah, that's not, not like you go back and, exactly. and, and compare the feeling. But, but yeah, yeah, definitely, I think... I think and let's be realistic, it's a much nicer end, isn't it? To <laughs> have a beautiful photography and then an animal wandering off rather than an idiot stood over a corpse. <laughs> <laughs> Can I, can I broach the, the sort of difficult um, question of uh, ecotourism, which is that at, at the, the end where you're actually there, yeah. you know, the, all, all of these issues you can address, you know, it's, yeah. whether, whether it's, it's looking after the wildlife and, and local people in a respectful way and, and so on. But there's still the sticky question of getting people to yeah. these ecotourists. Yeah, How do you guys approach that? So I would say... Uh, initially, I think uh, I've actually touched on it earlier how uh, us eco companion as a business, we like I, I entirely accept, and I think our entire team agree that carbon emissions is, is ultimately what it comes down to. That's the issue around uh, the, the, the travel is one of the biggest challenges that the tourism industry faces, exactly as you've highlighted. And so we very much are focused on trying to find every single avenue. And I think as ever, you don't just focus in on one. Like You don't just say, we're going to offset all of this and then that's solved. There's, that's not how it works. You have to look at so many different avenues on how to confront this issue. Um, so we are very much adamant and focused on that because, as, as I mentioned, uh, our mission as a business is to ultimately deliver or ultimately move the industry towards sustainability. I would agree with you as well that right now as it stands, like as with most things with humans, uh, it's not there yet. So the, 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 the travel to get to that experience does deliver a huge amount of carbon emissions. And so uh, 
how we confront that, we're looking at many different routes, and I think we, we're going to continuously work towards it. Our world rating system, for example, we're looking to... Um, one of the next features we want to release is that the distance that you travel will ultimately be one factor within the many factors considered. Right. So, so, of course, I will always say, I think sometimes people say, uh, to, to cut that off entirely, to say, let's, let's say, firstly, this is obviously, obviously not possible, but if tourism just ended tomorrow and we could just not do any more flying, that does cut off a lifeline to huge amounts of the world which uh, depends on tourism for its living. And, and it also, uh, ultimately, the tourism industry and ecotourism gives a financial and economic voice to the natural world. Without, without tourism, there would be nothing to fight against animal agriculture, destroying the Amazon rainforest, uh, uh, the sixth extinction currently occurring with biodiversity because of what we're doing. All of these things, there would be barely any voice against them without tourism. So firstly, I think that the rest of the positives does still far outweigh the, the negative of carbon emissions. Yeah. Um, but yes, it's a, it's, a, it's a journey which we're looking to confront in, in a variety of different ways. So yeah, the world rating system, for example. So we have a huge amount of different data points that we use to decide how sustainable your experience is from when you go to, say, a place in the UK to a Borneo Conservation Project for orangutans. Um, and actually, yes, flights, we do want to consider that as one of the factors. So literally, if you're looking at a place, if you're in a place in the UK, you're looking at a place over in Borneo, that will have a slight decrease, basically, in terms of what the uh, uh, world rating is for that experience. Um, second to that, I think that there's so many other avenues which we want to explore. I think carbon offsetting, I think it's it used to have a very bad name because it, there is a lot of very bad examples of it, which is much more of a kind of pat yourself on the back because you planted a tree somewhere which you don't actually know exists, etc., etc. There's a lot of very bad examples of it, but there is also some very effective examples. Um, so we're definitely very eager to look into those in terms of adding that as a secondary uh, kind of pillar to combat the issue. Um, yeah, I agree. I think it's a very hot topic. Um, wait until we're as big as Apple and hopefully we can uh, confront the planes entirely. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I think, I think the, the core of it is always ecotourism isn't so, like, you're not saying that we've reached, we've achieved sustainability yet. Yeah. It's, it's confronting 20, it's one of the biggest industries in the world, 20% of that industry. It's a huge market. So we're not going to confront that issue by ignoring it and trying to stop it. I would also say, though, we do completely agree with as well trying to minimise it. Um, that makes perfect sense, of course. Uh, like all of the different options of public transport, uh, like trains are a classic alternative, yeah. um, wherever possible. Um, and like I think you probably can see nuances that our own audience themselves understand the issue of that because the UK is still one of our, well, it is our most popular destination above any other. Um, So people do choose to stay within the UK more often, um, which of course helps. (laughs) I think it's about information as well. It's it's the same ongoing process. If you, you, for example, on your your podcast and your recent trip where you you went to to Europe, you chose to do it uh, on train and then in an electric car. I think 
if you if people are aware that they can do these things so much more easily than they think they're going to be able to, then people can start making those choices. But yeah. until you until you do educate people, people are still going to fly because they go, okay, well, it's going to cost me eighty quid and and three hours to go to um, Munich. Whereas you yeah. can say, actually, it's only going to cost you a day and maybe twenty thirty pounds more. I don't know what the pricing is, and then yeah. people say, okay, well, I didn't think of it like that. But you can't expect. You can't expect your, especially your average consumer, to go out and, and yeah. do that level of research. So hopefully, that's where Eco Companion can, can yeah. help and educate. And I think uh, to go a bit, it sounds a bit dramatic, but the, I think you do ultimately. There's there's two routes you can go. One route is you can say humans themselves are unsustainable. We should stop everything. Go back to the old days. Let's, let's, let's pull it back. Let's, let's go with the Mormon lifestyle. You know, because that's ultimately going to be the best thing for re- reducing carbon emissions. Or you ultimately also, the other route is you have faith in humanity that we are, not only did we create our own problem of ultimately carbon emissions themselves and creating this unnatural imbalance, but we also have the that same innovative intelligence and ingenuity to solve that problem. And, and just as much... Um, if you've never been to Borneo, if you've never been to to, to the Arctic, uh, if, and you've never seen, say, a polar bear, how can you ever have that same emotive passion to care and to try and change and save this natural world? Uh, you can only ever create that for yourself in in the in the deepest way by experiencing it yourself. So I think that's an underlying value of, of tourism and travel which can sometimes be underrated I think yeah yeah no that's definitely true I mean I think a lot of the sort of greatest sort of, uh, sort of wildlife campaigners are people who have travelled the world and mm. they've, they've seen things with their own eyes and then Absolutely. that's where their passions come from mm. they've then come back to wherever they're from and yeah. And so educated others about it, and Definitely. if everybody just said, "Well, let's just stay at home," and Jacques uh, <laughs> <laughs> Cousteau would not be quite as excited as all if he'd only seen the all the British Isles are quite. Ever. <laughs> yeah. yeah, then yeah. Um, yeah, like you said, there would be all these things going on in the world. You know, they would still be cutting down the Amazon rainforest, mm. like you know, mm. cattle ranching, whatever. Exactly. Just we wouldn't know about it, and no yeah. one would. Really and the amount of people, yeah. If you if you fly over the Amazon rainforest, I've not done this yet, so I can't say I have. But uh, if you can, I can picture flying over the Amazon rainforest and seeing the deforestation for yourself is quite a different story to me telling you that twenty percent of it's gone. Twenty percent of anything gone it just sounds like okay, that's just a random number, isn't it? To a, a yeah. person sat down in a room listening to a podcast, or whatever yeah, exactly. it was, um, compared to seeing it for yourself. Yeah, I think as well because because we're in the UK, we tend to romanticise the animals, but you forget that uh, if you are a South African person who's grown up with hippos grazing their crop, that is just a hippo to the South African person. <laughs> yeah. You can't expect them to 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 romanticise it in the same way. But if you if you start to you know embed the importance of, of that hippo to the world as a whole, rather than their their worldview, which might be mm. for whatever reason smaller than your worldview. Um, or, or more localized than your worldview, then that's where that's where you can start making a difference. I think. Yeah, because there is this really big contradiction between the fact that we want you know people in Africa and South America and so on to protect these animals that they might see as pests because mm. um, we think they're so important to the exactly. the, the world's ecology. But we've but we've wiped them out in our own countries thousands yeah. of years ago, and we yeah. have no intention of bringing them back because yeah. yeah. they would be pests. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so, so, using tourism as a way to actually give people an alternative and say, "Well, 
let's let's add value to your yeah. lives through these animals exactly. is, is probably it's one a, of the only real effective ways of, of managing them. Yeah. It really is. I, I think the modern world we live in is a, is a capitalist world where money is the driving force behind so much. Uh, like the, like oil, for example, there's like huge stories of like entire countries about to be uprooted for oil um, and, and all of these different stories. And unless we can create this financial driving force and economic power behind nature itself, and there's so many routes you can do that, of course. Like, they, there's such interesting conversations around people actually trying to, you might have heard about it, like um, uh, monetizing the rainforest. So per X like, mile, how much, like... Um, pharmaceutical potential is there and all of these yeah, different right. things um, but yeah tourism is, is the most proven well, in my opinion one of the most proven approaches to monetizing nature yeah. <laughs> which is a funny way to look at it but <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah great so um, so just to sort of wrap up really um, if somebody's never been on sort of an eco holiday before or anything what, what would you what would your sort of top tips be for them to get the most out of it first time around? That's a very good question. I think, uh, yeah, I think obviously come to Eco Companion is, is the perfect place to start. <laughs> no, I think um, it's like just go with wherever your passion is. I think some people will fall for uh, certain types of certain parts of the world more than others. Like, um, my aunt Liz absolutely loves brown bears in Eastern Europe, which she did recently. I fell for Africa personally. Uh, South America is a big one for me. I think, yeah, find, find what's exciting for you. Uh, research it. Have fun with it. Um, I think, yeah, be knowledgeable about it as well. It's not, we are, we are one source of kind of information and we want to do more, but there is endless other options and, and ways to discover, like, the detail around it all. Like, if you are going to go to Asia, then just Google <laughs> how to travel sustainably and I'm sure there will be more than enough content to support yeah, you and teaching you these kind of classic downfalls and pitfalls like uh, riding elephants like yeah. some people might uh, <laughs> yeah. I think you can also you can learn a huge amount of, of things when you are there so I mean obviously the ideal is that you go knowing that it's a it's a, an, an ecotourism destination but you can even even by if you are at a lodge that isn't eco eco certified or anything if you talk to people that work at that lodge they're going to be passionate about the area in which yeah, they're right. operating so yeah and you'll be able to get an overview of okay so this lodge employs local people and and they have this initiative and that initiative and actually this animal is really crucial to this lodge um, of course i'm talking about um you know, more rural nature tourism than urban tourism but yeah. I think that, that step being more involved in the places you're staying in will eventually lead to a greater appreciation of where is good where is bad yeah. mm. um, and that I suppose once you've made that choice to say right okay so now um, I would like to, to, to go somewhere where I know it's going to be sustainable mm. I know I can tell the difference now between, between these yeah. places that's that's where we sort of step in and provide the information as it were. And I think I think the other th the big thing is sometimes people see because because it does lend itself to this uh, that nature tourism is is the big trip. So it's when you go to Africa, it's when you go to South America right, or Asia, yeah. or whatever it might be. But probably the other side to the coin is 
don't just think that you have to go on a whatever 10 hour flight to get to nature tourism there is na- the uk i've had my eyes opened basically to how much there is since starting this company just in the uk yeah. amazing conservation projects all across the north like you can work on ben nevis for weeks uh, rebuilding pathways all these amazing things that happen um there's there's like basking sharks off the coast of the like there's the amazing wildlife basically all around the uk which you can also experience at a much lower cost of course as well so it doesn't have to be a kind of you know save up for the next five years to yeah right you can feel like it. you're on safari in richmond park exactly right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. and it's less dangerous obviously Great. Thanks very much, guys. No, awesome. Thank, Thank you very much, much for having us. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Yeah, brilliant.